You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. She got the job, they hired her, and she starts next week. And they um, hired her as a manager. So they brought her in, they did some testing, realized she had these skill sets that, that they recognized. And so... You know, that's the success, right? That's how lives are changing. So she'll be a, have a salary position for the first time in her life. From Columbus Business First, it's Women of Influence, an interview series showcasing some of the most inspiring women in the Central Ohio business community. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Paula Haynes. Paula is the CEO of Freedom a la Carte a nonprofit that works to empower survivors of sex trafficking and exploitation to build lives of freedom and self-sufficiency. Evolving from a central Ohio food cart, Freedom a la Carte now operates a sit-down restaurant alongside catering services. They have provided job training, careers, and community that have helped over 100 survivors to date start new chapters in their lives. We discussed how they've been able to build a robust support network for those who don't have one of their own, weathering COVID, and what other businesses could learn from Freedom's hiring practices. Let's get into it. Well, Paula, thank you so much for joining me on Thank the you for having me, Eleanor. <laughs> I saw your list of people that you've interviewed, and I'm very honored to be among them. So oh, thank well, you. we're honored to have you. So you uh, are the CEO of Freedom a la Carte. And I think to start off with, could you just tell me a bit of the Freedom a la Carte, uh, the background of the organization and your involvement? So the organization started in 2009 here uh, locally when Judge Herbert started Catch Court. So Catch stands for Changing Actions to Change Habits. And it's a specialty docket in Franklin County for women identified as survivors of sex trafficking. And with that, really great program. It's a two-year probationary program. So women opt into it. And instead of going to jail, they're sent to a treatment facility where they're getting um, treatment for addiction, trauma counseling, lots of life skills, programming, training, and uh, just a chance to to start a, a fresh life. So we thought this was such an innovative program, our organization came alongside and said, how can we help these women succeed? What can we do to support? And so we started bringing in lunch. And then that led to recognizing that the women really didn't have strong relationships in their lives. So we started a mentorship program where we pair women in the catch with someone from the community and, and help them along. We give transportation to the women from jail to their treatment facility. We provide needs. Uh, we take them to get their 
identifications, um, help them to get their driver's license, just whatever that is. And then, you know, two years later, we realized, wow, these women are doing great in this program, but they can't get a job. Mm-hmm. They, no one would hire them. They were taught to really be honest about their background. And as soon as they mentioned that, you know, okay, thank you. And then they never heard from that employer again. So, um, and we recognize there's a lot of barriers that sometimes the women needed to work on. So we started the social enterprise. We bought a food cart on eBay for $1,200 and started selling sandwiches. Um, And then that just grew into the catering company, um, now a cafe, but but also a workforce development program that's been able to employ the women, help them gain skills that they need, and then link them with jobs in the community. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions. So is the goal for these women to get different jobs? You don't want them to work for... We don't. Like, And, and actually, that's that was an interesting, interesting... Um, struggle or challenge because at at one point around 2016, we had all of these women working for us and no one wanted to leave. And we were like, oh my goodness, how do we change this model so we can serve more women? Some of them were just so ready to to go on and very capable. So we do do, um, now have a, a formal program that the women go through and while they're with us, we're talking about, you know, just self-discovery, looking at strengths and helping them to find what fields they might be interested in and getting training in those areas. Freedom's goal is to serve as a launch pad for women attempting to start or restart their careers. I asked Paula, what does success look like? How do they know what they're doing is working? Success comes with numbers. So if if we look at numbers, we served, like last year, we served 373 unduplicated survivors in the central Ohio area through the different programs that we offer. In the last six years, we've had 91 women come through our workforce development program. And of those, 85% have not picked up a new criminal charge. So they're staying out of jail, they're staying off the streets, Etc. Ninety-four percent of those in our program last year reported an increase in self-sufficiency, self-confidence. Um, about seventy-seven percent of the women are not on social security assistance anymore. Um, about eighty-four are living in independent housing, which means they're not living with a friend. They're not. They're out of treatment facilities. So all of those things combined help us see the the transition into self-sufficiency. But you know, the the real thing is the life changes. Like really just to see that growth and see women, like we talked about, become more self-confident and empowered to step out and try new things. So um, last Friday, I got a call from one of the women in our program that she um, has been with us for two years, a little over two years, is starting that, to look at transitioning out um, and we had been talking with a developer in the area who has rental properties around. And he said he had an opening within his organization for a, um, a rental agent. And we thought, ooh, she would be perfect. She does great customer service for us, um, just really enthusiastic. And we thought that would be a good fit. Well, they she got the job, they hired her and she starts next week. And that, and she's, and actually they, they um, hired her as a manager. So they brought her in, they did some testing, realized she had these skill sets that, that they recognized. And so, you know, that's the success, right? That's, that's what's 
how lives are changing. Mm -hmm. So she'll be a, have a salary position for the first time in her life. Like mm -hmm. it's really exciting. Yeah, it's great. I'm. We have been doing so many stories lately with employers who are you know, desperate to find talent. And one, one of our reporters is, you know, sort of looking at a lot of different pools of talent that people might not have looked for. What what message would you like to give to employers who might be hungry for workers right well, now? Well, I think it's it's looking beyond the resume, right? So not just looking at what their work experience is, but, you know, taking time to kind of hear the person, maybe taking time to do some of those personality tests or strength tests to find out what their real gifts are, what comes naturally to them so that you can, you know, that's, and that's what we're focused on at Freedom too, is finding those things so we can help them find jobs and career paths that they're going to be good at, that it's going to be satisfying to them. I think if, if employers approach their, their search a little differently, that would help too. There's clearly an opportunity for employers to find workers and women to start careers, but a lack of employment history and or an existing criminal history can still be roadblocks in the way of finding a job for many. That's where Freedom a la carte's broader support comes in. The organization's goal, after all, is for people to find long-term employment outside the organization. The criminal record is, is still a struggle. Um, when it comes to some of their other, their other background, like that doesn't always need to be stated. Mm -hmm. It's not really the employer's business where what those struggles are like. So just helping them to navigate those questions and be confident in what that conversation looks like, what mm -hmm. they should share and what they don't need to share and training them in, in that way. And it's really about, you know, it takes time to build that self-confidence. And as soon as they have that self-confidence that the, the opportunities are, you know, open up a little bit, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Got it. How big is your team, your staff? So we have, oh... Around 30 on staff, about 12 on our administrative team, and then the, the remaining in, on the kitchen staff. We have PTO for all staff members, even part-time can earn PTO. Salaried employees have unlimited PTO. Uh, it's, it's tough work. Nonprofit is really hard. Kitchen work is really, really hard. And so recognizing that sometimes you go through a hard spell and you might just need a day off, right? So just making sure that we promote that and give people that opportunity to recognize when they need that and, and encourage it has always been part of our model. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of ways to get involved with Freedom a la carte if its mission speaks to you. Paula offered some suggestions. So I would say to get trained. I think there's lots of myths and misconceptions out there about human trafficking and um, and there's, there's a lot of trauma involved. And so just making sure you get some of that trauma training as well. Uh, so we offer like lunch and learns. People can come. We, we hold them regularly at Freedom, but also employers could, could invite us to come in and do a lunch and learn at their place of employment. They could order catering from us. And then we can come in and, and present on our organization and train the staff on human trafficking. There's also other organizations. She has a name, does great training for the public and for volunteers. So I would just encourage people to, to get educated. Mm -hmm. There's lots of resources um, online as well. So it's on our website. We offer some of those links to, to get more information. As a business, Freedom just celebrated a significant anniversary. A year ago, April the 5th, we okay. celebrated what I call is our birthday. 
because I feel like in reflection that we gave birth to this place. Like we went through pregnancy, we went through labor and it was truly like, like that first year celebration where at the end of it, that first year, you're like, how did we get here? And I'm just so happy that this thing is still alive. (laughs) (laughs) It's meeting expectations now. You know, we opened during a pandemic and so that brought its own challenges. Uh, things were kind of going really well right after we opened through the summer. And then the mask mandates came back and, and people weren't going into inside restaurants as often and, and then go, heading into the winter. So um, we were a little bit below expectations, but now we're um, exceeding expectations and catching up. So I think that's a great sign. People are coming back out. Workers are coming back downtown. So uh, we're happy to have that support. What Mm -hmm. are the next big goals for Freedom? Oh, my goodness. So um, we have a lot going on. From a program standpoint, we have started an an outreach, a street outreach, Um, really noticing that when we talk about the human trafficking survivors that are being served here locally, uh, especially through the court system, the demographics don't look like the state average, like what they should. So... uh, um, we're not seeing the people of color come through our our agencies and how can we reach those people? So we're really focusing on the Linden area with our street outreach to just build relationships and let them know what services we offer. Actually, Sunday when we went out, we had a woman that said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Mandy, who was um, on our team, who was out doing the street outreach, said, do you want me to take you to detox? And she said, yes. So she took her to detox and um, just heard from her this morning that she's still there and was so appreciative. So those those new initiatives are really exciting. Um, we have our Eat Up Columbus fundraiser, something that's that's lasted through the pandemic, and we just keep trying to shape it and reform it to, to match um, what people want from a safety perspective. It's on um, July the 30th, and it's the same day as World Day Against Trafficking. Um, And it's at the National Veterans Museum on the rooftop. So I think that will be a really exciting event. And then as an organization, when we talk about um, scaling, we are looking at taking this model that we've developed here in Columbus and scaling that into new markets. Oh, is that, do you have some concrete plans for that or we are in the that's in the development stage so we're actually doing some some um, study with the Accenture's helping us to do a study on what our secret sauce is so we can identify that make sure it's something that we can replicate in a new market mm-hmm. awesome well that's exciting to hear yeah Paula herself came to freedom as a volunteer I spent some time in pharmaceutical sales, and then I also had my own business. So right before I started here, I had my own marketing business. And a friend of mine, Susan, invited me. Her daughter was interning with the organization, and they were doing a human trafficking educational series and invited myself and some friends to come and I had heard a lot about human trafficking, didn't really understand it, heard about catch court, didn't really you know, know a lot about it. So I started attending and realized, wow, like I didn't really put the two together. Like these women on the west side of Columbus where my mother grew up, my father's from the west side, um, both, you know, 
families started in the bottoms of what we call the bottoms, but it's now Franklinton. And that's where a lot of this trafficking was. The women had, had grown as well. And, and just thinking, wow, I can't believe this happened. Like, that could have been me if things hadn't changed. Like, you just don't know. And I felt this connection to them. And, um, and then learning about the organization and its approach and the the social enterprise, which I thought was brilliant for a nonprofit to think like a business and really have a sustainable model that's going to help feed into your programming. I thought that was brilliant. And then also providing a job for women so that they can become self-sufficient and take care of themselves. I just thought that was such a beautiful approach. I love to cook. So I said, wow, let's, how can I help? And I started in the kitchen and started volunteering with weddings, et cetera, on the weekends, um, and then started doing some pro bono work to help them with their marketing, uh, saw that they needed fundraising. So we started Eat Up Columbus, a fundraiser. Uh, we started about that back in 2014. And then I was on the board. Um, we, had, we had trouble finding the next leader of the organization. And we went through a couple of hires within 12 months that you know the board determined was not the right hire. So I offered to step off the board and be the interim director and found kind of my weird skills from the past and this passion became my purpose. And I really just was real passionate and excited to be in that place. So I'm still there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's worked out. You were the right fit. You've had a real stressful week at Freedom Ellicott. We'll refine you on a Saturday. How do you unwind? Oh my gosh. Um, in the Airstream, uh-huh. grabbing our bikes and going for a long bike ride. Yes. Outside. Tell me a little bit more about the Airstream. So you. Yeah. So we had an Airstream when, when our kids were growing up and that's how we traveled around the country with them. And that was always kind of our escape from everyday life. We would take these long trips. And then of course the kids grow up and they don't want to do that anymore. So we sold it. And then about six years ago, um, we have five adult children and they were in different cities around the country, all of them. So we thought, let's let's just get an Airstream again and we can go and travel and, and see the kids. And uh, we thought this was would be a great thing to do as empty nesters. Um, so we did. We, we bought an 88 um, Airstream and renovated it completely inside out. And in that mean in the meantime, three of the five kids moved back to Columbus, (laughs) but it's still our, our really special place. Um, just to hop in it and think, okay, where do we want to go today? You've got everything you need there. It's just a real free and happy place to be. And so we, um, you know, plan to spend more time in there. Mm -hmm. Where's the coolest place that you've gone? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know. We, we took a long trip out to um, San Diego. And when we took the kids out there, it was my, my first time being out west at the time. And I just remember driving like in New Mexico and we were headed to Santa Fe and pulling off the interstate and thinking, oh my gosh, there is absolutely nothing out here. Like, what have we done? We're out here with these kids. And then pulling into Santa Fe and how beautiful it was and waking up to the desert and just, I don't know, just something I hadn't experienced. I thought it was just so absolutely lovely. I just love it out there. Mm -hmm. That's so great. Yeah. So you're planning to, you mentioned before we started recording, so you're planning to kind of move full 
full time into Airstream yes, life? Yes, we had sold the house and uh, about five years ago and moved downtown and now we're moving out of our condo into the Airstream. You know, we're going to try it. It's like, why not try it? Uh, it could last a couple of months. It could last a year. It could last several years. We'll just see see what we think. Mm-hmm. But we just, it's something we've talked about and we thought, why not? you know, why not try it? So. And you'll, but you'll still be working. Still well. be working. Um, but we can do what you can do a lot remote. This as was we've always, all learned. As we've all learned. <laughs> but even before the pandemic, you know, we, I always believed in, um, our board president is Kate Finley, who um, owns Bell Communication. And she's always run a remote working model. So, you know, having that support and believing, yes, remote working can work. Um, we just thought, wow, how can we how can we do this and intertwine this at Freedom? And so I've had an agreement with the board to work remotely as often as I, you know, wish, as long as I'm be performing my job and things are happening at Freedom. And so they've been very gracious in that. And I don't want to take advantage of it, but, um, you know, in a in a bad way, but also be able to make sure that you know, we have that balance. And it's, it's a good, I think, example for, for your team that you're willing to, to change and, and make jobs work. Our marketing director actually works remotely. She lives in Cleveland. She moved there and we said, let's give it a try. And she's been with us several years. So mm-hmm. got to be flexible and make it work, right? <laughs> That's so exciting. We always ask our women of influence what advice they have for young women out there who are hoping to follow in their footsteps. Here's what Paula had to say. Really to get as much business experience as you can. And I think nonprofit work is, there's a lot to learn on the nonprofit side as far as grants and programming and and measuring impact and those things. But you also need to have a business knowledge. So I think trying to hop in, get experience in all those different ways, I think that was the unique thing that my previous life had brought me was these all these weird experiences that kind of touched on all those different segments. So I think that really helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it's worked out for you. And uh, it sounds like y'all are doing great work. So thank you so much for joining us. Today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. We appreciate it. And thanks so much to all of you for joining us as well. If you're not already, follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll be notified of each new episode as it's released. Another huge thank you to Paula Haynes for giving us her time, and also for the amazing work she's doing to make a difference to so many here in Columbus. I'm Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First, and this has been Women of Influence. See you next time.